Now go. Everybody gonna get sick someday, but nobody know how they gonna pay. Healthcare, managed care, HMOs ain't gonna work, no sir. Not those, cause the thing that's the same in every one of these, these motherfuckers there, the insurance companies. Call it single payer or Canadian way. Only socialized medicine will ever save the day. Come on now, let me hear that dirty word. Socialism! Welcome to Oops, I Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics and sometimes pop culture from a political lens. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. And this is not a regular episode. Yeah, we're actually going to be talking about pop culture from a political lens this time. Wasn't that our original goal? <laughs> yeah, and then then the inauguration happened, and it's we haven't had a break. I requested to not do a regular episode because everything's really terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, at least it turns out happens when everyone ignores me and says, no, let's go full politics, Sly, and go full serious. It turns out you eventually get burned out. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we need a fucking goofy episode every once in a while just to fucking let off some steam, guys. Yeah, as you can tell, Sly's always the fun, goofy one. <laughs> yeah, we need a fucking goofy episode, you fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Sly had us watch this movie, which if if you see the title of this episode and it's just Bullworth, and you're like, I don't know what this movie is. Like, we didn't know what this movie was either. And Sly said, don't look anything up. Just go into it, just watch it, and enjoy the ride. Yes. Yeah, I literally, I finished it like literally five minutes ago. <laughs> so, uh, Phil, tell us what you would say the premise of this movie is. A senator from California tries to have himself assassinated <laughs> and then doesn't want to and just starts saying how politics is bullshit to the rapping wall and... rapping about how, how politics oh yeah he, is he does rap about how politics is bullshit all right so uh, yeah, uh basically basically it's about a senator named jay bulworth who basically becomes super like he's he's like now he's like full neolib piece of shit like uh opening videos him crying as he's watching uh him on tv his political ads and he's like the ultimate neoliberal piece of shit saying we need, we need to make sure, get rid of affirmative action we gotta cut welfare. We gotta we gotta make sure people who are not working uh, don't get benefits. This uh, stuff like was this neoliberal or was he just spewing conservative talking points? Uh, this like... was this was I this came out in 1998. This was right after uh, Clinton cut welfare, right after he cut public gains tax while he was talking about cutting Social Security, and Medicare. This was like the peak, uh, and this, there was no progressive move whatsoever at this point. This was like peak Democrats. We're neoliberal Clintonites, 100%. Well, so. at one point, someone in the movie describes him as a senator going from liberal roots into full-on neoconservative. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah they, say, yeah. they say he's a, li- uh, a liberal wine being poured into a conservative bottle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, like, completely, like, disillusioned, and opening is him crying as he's watching his own And he just looks like, like a regular, like... Early, like late forties, early fifties, white guy senator. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Warren Beatty plays the lead. I think it's an uh, amazing performance. He's, he he also writes, directed and produced and wrote writes the and writes. Yeah. So like he, this was his Orson Welles moment. I think uh, <laughs> he outclasses Orson Welles by a significant degree. Uh, but yeah, so uh, he looks like uh, he's perfect well because he looks just like a generic white senator. Yeah, and uh, as the story progresses, uh, the story is really about him going through a mental breakdown. Like, really, like, it's, it, the movie's kind of uncomfortable to watch at points because it's just, like, him being so insane and everyone being, like, what are you doing? And he just doesn't answer them and just starts calling people the N-word. And, like, <laughs> yeah, like it's... <laughs> he, calls, he calls one person the N-word because he says that he calls him the N-word first, kind of a thing. Yeah, a black guy calls yeah. him the N-word and he calls him the N-word back. Yeah. Both sides. <laughs> first basis on both sides. But, um... <laughs> 
Uh, so the general premise is this pitch in the trailer and stuff like that is this guy like, as he's going through his mental breakdown uh, he starts basically speaking truth to power and so not giving a fuck what, what else is thinking he goes to a boardroom and he tells uh, them like oh my campaign staff always gives me the best Jews and everyone's like oh, how dare you which is funny because uh, Trump almost said like the same thing like recently and there's, there's lots, of, lots of echoes to, uh, to this and Trump in my eyes mm-hmm. uh, the wish fulfillment uh, say say what you feel, kind of attitude. Yeah, they repeatedly say like he's he's not like he's fed up with baloney or something, or yeah. he's not going to speak yeah. any more baloney. And like yeah. a lot of people respect him for doing that, which was like to me when you were saying like let's do something like fun and lighthearted that we can point at. When I was watching this, I was just getting those like flashbacks of how much that people actually do want a politician that cuts through the bullcrap but like that wasn't comforting because it gave us trump <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 but um my wife uh was pitching this this um film i've not watched myself i just knew about it oh. uh, i knew it was a, a forgotten film i only knew from the trailers i i sly i believe i asked you how did i not know about this movie and you said that the soundtrack went platinum or something yeah <laughs> i actually the reason why i ever even had a vacant of the song and maybe why some people might uh the song ghetto superstar the 90s was a tie into this uh, song but uh, uh, people, remember, people remember the platinum soundtrack they remember that one top 10 single but no one fucking remembers the movie it kind of bombed at the uh, box office there was a 10 minute block where they just kept playing insane in the membrane over and over yeah, again yeah. yeah so long <laughs> and uh, that was that was like just a weird thing about the scores when he has the change to where he starts rapping and stuff it just plays a lot of uh hip-hop music but it's like it plays very obvious, like the lyrics are like what's going on at the time. Well, that's what a soundtrack should do. Like it should reflect the plot. Like the like the scene where he's dancing in the club, and the soundtrack keeps keeps saying he's got a big dick. He's got a big dick. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, Sly. Did you just say that scores should be like obvious of what's going on at the time? No, they should reflect. They should reflect the events going on. Yes, like that's like what, like even. Why though... should you have a lyrical soundtrack if not that? Because you want to try and be a little more subtle. I thought you were the person that was like, I like it when thing messages okay, are. You're saying I'm the person. That, I told you many times, I'm the person that's ambitious. I'm not subtle. I'm not anything. I'm about ambition, Daryl. Get it through your fucking head. Nothing's more ambitious than got a big dick, got a big dick. <laughs> or like just saying what you're doing. Not saying what you're doing, but like, it's, you, you know, like, it's, it's just like, uh, very, uh, we'll beat you over the head with it, but like, it's. That's a, it kind of like what reflects hip hop's nature, beats you over the head of these themes. Like, and that's kind of the nature of Bull himself. He's very upfront and abrasive, reflecting that nature. I think mm. it's perfect for that tone and setting. setting okay, like, so it goes along with the theming of the movie itself. Yeah, like okay, that's that's different than yeah. I, I would agree with that for sure because like he really like there are many characters throughout this film that explicitly are like this is what I believe politically. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the that's another thing about it because what really is is not uh, like. When I saw this movie, I thought it would be more of a comedy. Like, if this was made today, it would be starring Will Ferrell. It would be all these montages of him going on TV saying, yo, my N-word, what's up? Him, like, that scene, there's, like, one scene where he wears um, a ghetto attire on, on TV by coincidence. He just happens to be wearing that. And he starts rapping just because he's mentally insane at that point. <laughs> uh, but, like, if that was made today, that would be the whole film. It would be just him, like, yo, 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 yeah. what's up? I'm white and I'm rapping. But this whole film is really just him having a mental breakdown 
And he, he's just talking, like, as he's, like, he's just fascinated by this urban culture. And as he gets more fascinated to it, he basically just starts reciting what people tell him. Like, literally, yeah. like, he, he does literally take, when people give him social commentary about, like, how it's hard for young black men to get jobs or, like, how manufacturing left the U.S., you see him later in, in an interview saying word for word what they said to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he becomes, and that's another reason why, like, it kind of reflects Trump, because yeah. both himself is just a vessel he's he's just like empty suit a vessel for like he's echoing what, what people are saying he's basically like uh like trump is a crowd surfer burrow is just repeating what people told him and he actually like they, like the people that uh, like the people that are working with him don Cheadle and halle berry they acknowledge like don Cheadle says we're gonna use this crazy motherfucker for what he's worth like we're gonna ride this guy like uh he's he, he's just crazy but uh uh, he's since he's crazy, he's easy to, easy to get his message out across. Like he has no message of his own. Like he's just relaying what people tell him now. Now, one thing I do want to point out is we mentioned like <laughs> I don't think we've painted a good picture of what his personal politics are like because he's similar to Trump in that he's just like the system's broken. Here's all the problems with it. But yeah. most of the actual policies that he's advocating for in his speech is like he talks about how like. The pharmaceutical company is out to destroy everybody. The only way to get past it is a single payer system or like mm-hmm. through socialist populism. Yeah, he like, makes socialist raps. Like he raps about Yeah. Socialism. So it's it, like it's similar in tone to Trump and like it has those same parallels where Trump was like, you know, we got to, you know, we can't keep all these corrupt politicians that drain the swamp and everything, but if he like actually backed it up with liberal policies and not scapegoating yeah, like, minorities, it, yeah. like he's yeah, it's it's really interesting because he he does like he actually does both sides by saying like Republicans and Dems are both terrible and like at, in, in the beginning of the movie he um goes to a black church and he's offered to speak there and he's given like a speech a pre-written speech and he just completely ignores it and he just ends up telling them it's like well, he, he fields questions for them and they ask them, the black community is like, how come you haven't done enough for us? And he's like, you're not ever going to vote for Republicans. We don't have to do anything for you because who else are you going to vote for? It's like, yeah, you have it, to vote for us. They ask, you know, you, everyone in politics came and gave these big events after this like crisis that I don't even think they specify what it is. And you said you would increase funding. And he's like, well, cause it was in the news mm-hmm. and every, like Clinton was here. Gore was here. Everybody was here, but then nobody cares anymore because you guys aren't going to fund our campaigns. Like pharmaceutical companies are insurance companies are, but you're yeah. not. And what are you going to do? He, and he actually asked them, what are you going to do? Vote for a Republican? Of course not. Yeah. That's insane. And everyone's like freaking, this is like the moment where he, he first breaks out with this uh, attitude and everyone freaks out. And also, just to briefly mention, uh, when Phil mentioned the, the assassin part, because that's like the whole uh, yeah, driving. Yeah, we're, we're like skip, skipping the part that the whole movie is every scene <laughs> him running from an assassin. Yeah, yeah but just to, to, but I just want to clarify. The reason why I picked this movie, part reason, was because everyone was like saying, I just want to die, everyone. So I was like thinking about this movie I heard about where a guy is so despondent of politics that he sets an assassination on himself. Like he's just like, somebody please kill me, literally. Like, <laughs> and he takes out, him. you know, the insurance thing is a big part of it too because like that's one of the industries he really harps on a lot. And at the beginning of the movie, they're paying him to vote against uh, an insurance regulation bill. So they're not just paying him. Basically, there's an insurance regulation bill that would be good for everybody except the insurance companies. And he has a lobbyist come and he's like... I want a $10 million life insurance policy for me and for that on me that my daughter gets $10 million if I die. And he's like back and forth. And he's like, listen, I'm going to vote for this bill then. And they're like, no, we'll give you the 10 million if you kill it in committee. 
And it's revealed, like, throughout, we see little insights into his life that, like, his daughter doesn't like him, his wife doesn't like him. They're very just, like, they're... His wife's cheating on him. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're both both not really together. They just do it for public uh, appearances. Yeah. And so he takes out the insurance policy, and then he hires a hitman that it sounds like he's hired before to kill other people, but this time he's like, kill me, and, (laughs) you know, I'll give you a check, and if I'm not dead by Monday... I will, you know, I'm going to cancel the check. So then he sends, like, this, like, the most 90s villain-looking, like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe him, but he seems pretty gross. He's like Frank Reynolds from... from uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, li- I don't like all this talk, because the hitman reminded me of my dad a little bit. <laughs> no, not the hitman. I think he means, he means Frank. The, the, the guy who hires... The, the assassination, like, guy who's in charge of it. Not that oh, yeah, th- this is a, like a weird aspect about this movie is that he hires a guy who can hire a hitman, and he knows yeah, right. this guy through another guy that like well, works with this campaign. The guy explicitly says, like, you don't call me, it has to go through three or four degrees so that everyone stays clean. Yeah, that, that's a big part of the movie is he needs to call a guy that can call the guy that hired the hitman so that guy, that guy can call the hitman and yeah, save he, the job. Yeah, he off. halfway through starts to realize that my new lifestyle of just saying it how it is is great or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. so like I want to clarify because there's this is this movie changed my life. It's one of my favorite movies of all time now. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a, a great uh, character. Uh, some people might call him like the the magical black guy. He uh, is. He totally you know, is. He yes. is, but I think it's okay. It's forgivable. Like usually, black magical black guy is a problem where movies where there's no black black characters whatsoever. It's always white guys, mm. and the, the only black character just is just there. Yeah, to, just that, to, that's fair. This is a movie about uh, <laughs> the black characters are more de- developed than the the white characters really. Like, Which is uh, the, true. Like, uh, yeah, that is definitely. But true. I mean, you're still you're still like using that trope. It's still like a. It it is, but like uh, I don't know. It, uh, first of all, like I said, multiple black characters uh, they're more prominent than the white characters, and also uh, it's changed my life. And uh, <laughs> it, it, and especially at a time where I was uh, really needing a message like this. Basically, yeah. this black this black guy keeps coming t- towards. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a it's a homeless Bold. black guy with like this yeah. gray scraggly beard. <laughs> Yeah, and he keeps come as as like Boar is like mobbed by all these people for all the things he's saying. This guy comes up to him saying, "Boar, you gotta be, you can't be no ghost. You gotta be a spirit, and you can't be a spirit if you don't got a song." And this is a message that keeps getting repeated throughout throughout the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I find very impactful. Um, the idea that you know you're you're a dead man walking, like you're already like given up hope. So you could be a ghost or you could be a spirit and use like and find another direction in your life. Uh, uh, use like the, the lack of connection to. The current reality to do something important with your life instead of just uh, walking through and mindlessly through it. And I think that was a it's a very powerful message, especially in our current political climate where we already feel uh, the American government is doing a fist of a North Star on us and we don't know what yeah. to do. Uh, one thing I do want to point out about the like the magical black character thing and like you were saying how all the other characters are much more fleshed out than like usual, especially in like a 1998 political movie. I also feel like none of the white characters are like intelligent like they're or all likeable. very cliched like just like political people and all yeah. nuance and insight comes from all the black characters yes mm-hmm. so i want to just quickly go through a couple of the characters so we have the senator like we said senator jay bullworth and then we have the hitman who i think also founds the monsters in space jam <laughs> but then the those are and then we also have a couple of like political advisors that are just following Bullworth around, trying to like steer him right, like back to one. The path. One of them is actually just a, a brain dead moron. One of them actually, I don't yeah. think he's not smart. He's just like trying to play the game. 
Yeah, one yeah. of them is one of them. Oliver Platt plays um, the main political advisor, who's just like he's like freaking out as Bullworth is saying all these things, like "Oh my god, my career's gonna die! I did everything for this guy, and he's ruining my career." And the other guy's just like uh, he just walks around, like kind of just going along with what everyone else is saying. Like, and yeah, he's no like brain. the classic campaign advisor where he's like, "He's ruining us! He's ruining us! He's ruining us!" And as soon as like a poll comes out that people like this, he's like, "You gotta do! You gotta embrace this! You can't go back to regular!" And like he has no real integrity at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also have, uh, at the same time that he's doing this, C-SPAN has decided to do a 24-hour live broadcast inside the campaign. So every step of the way is is getting broadcast. Like, people are seeing this right away. And that's being filmed by Sean Astin, who has barely any roles at all, uh, lines at all. Yeah, Sean Astin has a weird career. For a guy who wasn't in, like, uh, big movies in the 80s and in, like, Lord of the Rings, like, he's in this movie just saying literally nothing. Mm-hmm. And now he's, like, in Christian, like, God's, God's Not Dead movies. Like, it's, he has a weird career. The only thing that Sean Astin does is he's completely silent the whole time and never responds to anyone. And then a woman asks him, well, what do you think? A and black he just, woman like, asks him. Yeah, a black woman. Think? And he just, like, mansplains nonstop <laughs> to her for, like, every shot that we see of him until the end of the movie even as the senator is running through with like uh, his like as Sly said the ghetto attire like rapping he mm-hmm. doesn't even look up even though he's the cameraman <laughs> yeah yeah and then the main uh the main black characters we have is we have don Cheadle is like a drug he's like a drug drug leader but he is a drug leader, it's interesting yeah. because yeah. as this, as this plot progresses like, you, when you watch a movie, like, this is a cliche movie, he'll just be like, I'm the bad guy of the movie. And they make you think he's the bad guy of the movie, but as the plot goes along, they try to paint him as, like, he's the only kind of business or community leader this, this area has, this 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 black urban culture has. So, yeah. like, it, it's, like, a more complicated portrayal than you expect as he first shows up. Because, like, when we first see him, he's, like, somebody owes him money, and also he has, like, a bunch of kids working for him, like, little kids that have, like, guns and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. and at first you're, like, oh, this is, like, an over-the-top view of what, like, a gang in the inner city is like, but then we see them all get harassed by the police for, like, no reason at all. For having ice cream. In 1998, by the way, when everyone believed this, it never happened, by the way. Yeah, they're they're eating ice cream, and a cop comes and shoves an ice cream cone in a kid's face because he's not respectful enough. And, yeah. like, then we see later on, Don Cheadle talks about how, like, what else are they going to do? Like, no one will hire us. Our neighborhoods are not funded at all. Nobody cares about us at all. He talks about, like, Don Cheadle calls himself, like, a business entrepreneur, which I thought was yeah. neat. And this is, like, oh, what was the line about, like, the kids were a... He says the kids give him enough... Limited, they give him li- limited liability. Limited liability because yeah. they're kids. They yeah, can't go to yeah. Jail, like. <laughs> And then we also have who the three women that become Bullworth's like entourage when he starts this new chapter of his life. Mm-hmm. And there's two two women that basically just follow him around as like a hype squad and are just like, oh hell yeah! Th- the whole those time. were my favorite in this whole movie because this movie starts with again like he he starts to lose. Uh, we should clarify that he starts to lose his mind because he hasn't eaten anything in five days and he hasn't slept in multiple days. Yeah, so it's not like he's, like, going off, like, Looney Tunes bouncing off the walls crazy. It's that he's, like, really just, like, out of it the whole time. Like, he's got, like, a far-off distant gaze and he's really yeah. quiet for most of the movie because his the white advisor is the one just always talking for him rather than having him talk. And then uh, he goes to the black church and says all those things. And then as he's leaving, the two, the hype women come over and they start yelling at him. And he's like, do you want to like help out? Do you want to volunteer? And they're like, oh yeah, sure. We'll volunteer. And then these women just like leave their life and they just join up with him for the rest yeah. of this movie. Just to, just to go like, hell yeah, the whole time. Yeah. 
Well, one thing to point in, to point out, this movie takes place over like two or three days. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, like it's not like they like abandon abandon their lives for like months. And also, he keeps like driving I mean, them around and like <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're still like they're just gone for days, just taking a ride with this. Okay, dude. no, but it's a senator. Okay, I know I'm gonna defend it. I think it's very realistic. It's a senator, <laughs> uh, fucking guy in a limousine, asks you to come join him and work for him. I think it's pretty realistic. I don't know, like uh, that, pe- pretty- that more people if people just come and hop in your car and leave their family for days. These people, yes, like these people are obviously aren't very like like they're not they're not like people with office jobs. Probably they probably have shit jobs. They probably don't give a fuck. Like, well, that's kind of like what they keep driving home is like they haven't. When he says like, "Who are you going to vote for, a Republican?" A lot of the stuff that we see in a lot, like when we meet a lot of these characters' families and stuff, they are like. We've known all this shit about how terrible and unfair the world is for decades, but, like, people pretend it's not. Like, all none of our senators, like, ever address this. And then you have this guy show up, just go on this, like, whole, like, socialist tirade about how fucked up the system is. And then he's like, do you want to drive around in my limo and we'll, like, yell at, like, a bunch of assholes and I'll keep buying you food for a weekend? That sounds awesome to me. I would do that. <laughs> and also, uh, like, I just want to point out, uh, speaking of the, the fact that it takes place in a few days, that's one of the reasons why I really love this film is because, like I said, this could have just been a film loaded with montages and funny moments, but yeah. all the scenes where he speaks truth to power are incidental scenes. Like, they happen as a result of the main plot. The main plot is him going through a mental breakdown. It's the last few days of, his, of, this, of, of this process where he hasn't eaten, he hasn't slept. He's completely lost. His eyes are glazed over. He starts doing drugs. Yeah. Warren Beatty illustrates it pretty well. Like, he, he's, like, acts demented. Like, he laughs at random scenes. He says, your piece of people say back to him. Like, he's speaking nonsense. Uh, it just happens to be what people want to hear. It's, it's just pure um, insanity what he's saying, but it just happens to be what people no, want to hear. No, I don't hear. think what he says is insanity. Mm-hmm. I think everything he says is on Like, point. a lot of times, he, he starts laughing at, like, saying, oh, you guys want, like, you, like I went, one time he's at a public debate, and he just starts uh, har- harassing the guy next to him, saying, hey, and he starts tickling him and stuff like that. Like, he is, like, demented. Yeah, but, like, when he actually him. says things, it's not just nonsense that people happen to like. It's mm-hmm. all, like, pretty poignant political statements that all resonate with the people. Yeah, yeah, but like it just it just ha- like he's just saying whatever, and it just happens to resonate. It's not like he's making a a, a cognitive a political message saying I'm going to have a new direction where I'm going to say this. It's like he has lost it, and he's just saying what he feel- feels like, and what he's saying is the truth because he has become the solution of the system. They do talk about how when he was younger, he was like part of the like civil rights movement or something. Yeah. Or, or right, they say he was in like, his office. There's pictures of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and, and, he, and he, yeah. he said he like worked with Huey Newton and stuff. So I think it's like this stuff is coming from uh, the heart, a genuine place. Yes. Yeah, I, I believe that it's a mention that's causing him to say this and like do the other random stuff he does, like uh, start rapping and uh, start just literally repeating what people say back to him. Uh, start calling people the N word. Like he calls the person the N word because the person calls the N word back. It's not like a political statement about reverse racism. At least I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think I think it's so. just him being demented. And then he goes, "Would uh, it be better if I said motherfucker?" Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "This is uncomfortable." <laughs> and that's one other thing. People, uh, a reason why I want to pick this film was because people act like, "Oh, this is a cringy movie about a white guy rapping." When uh, the whole point, it is a cringy. It is uncomfortable. It's kind even of, one like, of the even one of the little. Uh, push drug pusher kids is like is that how white people rap yeah like everyone acknowledges <laughs> the movie that's uh, rapping is terrible like warren Beatty's, uh like he's he's not doing like awesome flows or sick rhymes he's mm-hmm. rapping like a white dude like a, mm-hmm. a yeah, generic yeah. white dude well the other main character in this movie is halle berry who plays nina and nina is a weird character where the fuck is she in this movie <laughs> so at for most of the movie she's kind of just like this silent woman that is 
I like I guess Bullworth is like obsessed with now. Like it seems like he falls yes. in love with her right away. Yes, that's the point of the movie. No, 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 no. Yes. Hold on, hold on. It's very clear why she's in the movie. She's there to bait uh, Bullworth into this cipher fucking debauchery. Whatever you want to yes, call it. Yes, but it's uh, that's weird. <laughs> no, it's not. It's very. It's very. It's a, it's, it's a weird coincidence. Uh, what 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 her actual character is, but it makes perfect sense. She's just a, a Halle Berry's incredibly attractive. Insanely attractive, and Bullworth, <laughs> they, they hint that Bullworth is a womanizer. Uh, okay, Alvin yeah, Platt's, okay. Alvin Platt's character says this is not going to be the first time he had to clean up over a fair. So he's a womanizer. He sees this incredibly hot woman in the crowd. He basically starts following her, and through her, he starts getting go- go- gross to the urban culture. It, it, she is the heart, like, of why he starts it. You can't say she has no plot. It's like saying okay, right. the fucking uh, this opening scene of the droids has no plot in point Star Wars. <laughs> she doesn't have a point. But that scene. The thing, the thing that's so weird to me is like. On one hand, I feel like she is, like, put on this pedestal where he just chases her around. But mm. then there is one scene where he, she, like, breaks this stoic character that she has intentionally for a plot reason that we'll get to in a little bit. But And then he actually asks, like, well, what do you feel about stuff? And she goes on this... I really, really like the scene where she goes on this, like, pretty long rant about how... The he, he asks her, why doesn't the black community have leaders anymore? Well, how come there's mm-hmm. no like Malcolm X or Martin Luther King of the 90s? And she goes on this whole thing about how when they started closing factories and taking away like middle class city jobs, like middle class urban jobs, and they it's, closed it's all the factories. black blue collar jobs. Yeah, yeah and, which was which was that's another reason why I was from because it taught me a lot of things I didn't even think about or know. Uh, she t- talked about how. Uh, the rise of civil rights leaders in the forties and fifties was directly tied to the rise of of uh, after World War II, the increase yeah. in jobs yeah. and black and then, that's what. And I could ask you why aren't there black leaders? It's because we had black leaders when we had a good economy and black people were able to get jobs and they were able to fund and assemble all these people together. And when these jobs started going away, like all these black leaders started disappearing. And it's it's a very like something something I always uh, wonder about like what, what caused the forties and fifties to be different. And a lot like a lot of things is tied to World War II and the prosperity America experienced after that point. Yeah, yeah. And it was just really interesting, yeah, hearing her talk about how, like, when cars started being made, when, like, neoliberal and conservative policies started pushing businesses to, like, all be, like, the lowest common denominator, you know, like, globalist kind of economic policies, then it all those jobs left and the most of the income started going more towards, like, you know, the white-collar, already-in-power kind of people. And it was a really, really interesting rant that kind of made me reassess because i was like i kind of felt like she was like the exotic woman that was just there as an object of lust for the whole movie mm-hmm. and then i was like because she she doesn't like say that much she's completely like stoic and all she says to him a few times is just like i like the way you speak or like that's brave until this point yeah but i think that's the, a purposeful inversion because he when he talks to her he talks down to her saying you don't even know who huey uh, newton is or you don't know this and she's like mm-hmm. no i know all this stuff fuck you old white guy even yeah, he like, says people your age don't know this stuff and she said how old do you think i am and he, like, doesn't know. And she's like, oh, I'm, what does she say? She's 26? 26. Yeah. yeah, 26, yeah. She's 26, and he, like, like, and it, it, I think you're right that it's an inversion because it, it points out that, like, he was lusting after her as this, like, urban, like, young girl that she explicitly says, like, hey, I'm a lot more than this. You just didn't give a shit until now. Yeah. They also shit on the media a lot, too, in this movie, like, you know, you guys are being paid on, paid by the same people who pay me. Mm-hmm. Um, even Halle Berry's character says, like, the media, when they're talking about why there are no black leaders, she, she talks about how, like, the media pushes this uh, instant gratification culture where people, when they're asked to then self-sacrifice, uh, they're not willing to do it because all the, 
people are immersed in this materialistic, like consumerist bullshit culture and how people yeah. just want for themselves. And then even when he's on, you know, that debate, he's like saying like, yeah, you're gonna, you guys are going to cut this because it's going to look bad from your corporate bosses. You're going to cut to commercial now because you guys are all shills. That's not the reason why this movie was kind of made for me on top of the fact it's hip hop and politics mixed together on top of the fact that has a lot of cursing. It's like, it's a movie made for slide, but also the politics even lean more leftist rather than just pure liberal. Like it is very much a, a leftist black perspective they, they're providing here and very anti-corporate perspective. I, it, it's like this movie was made for me and I love you, Warren Beatty. You are a great writer. No, I, I thought this movie was fantastic too. But the thing that I found so interesting too, that like to go back to the comparison between him and Trump is Trump laid out like these things like in debates where he, I remember him saying like, well, I bought off politicians. So I'm the one who knows the best how corrupt the system is and like all these things. But Trump would lay out these problems and then say, I'm the only one who could fix it. And I could do it on the backs of minorities and immigrants where Bullworth doesn't really say how to fix it. He says like the healthcare system's broken. Only social, only a single pair of system would fix it. But yeah. like, that's never going to happen. Like he doesn't give solutions and he doesn't seem to even care that he's still running. Like he's yes. just like, the system is totally broken. It's all bullshit. And he's yes. like, the only way we could fix this is if we like get rid of all race. And I think he says at one point, just everyone has to keep fucking each other yeah. until yeah, all that's babies are mixed races. Yeah, that's a solution to the racial problems. Everyone keeps fucking each other. And the thing that I really race. like is, I feel like a movie like this, I often, like, I feel like, like you said, it's like a true leftist film because it doesn't just touch upon the economics. It also touches upon the racial injustice as well, like by showing yes. like the police and that it's not just an economic issue. It's a big, you have to overhaul, overhaul all of society for it. And I yes. just, I, I really liked the way it was laid out in a way that wasn't, here's how you fix it. Because then it becomes very preachy for me, like, if, when movies do that, where it's like, here's everything you have to do, isn't that so simple? And it's just pretty much a straightforward, like, this is how fucked up the system is, See, I don't figure it out. I, I'm not, like, super into the, like, those, like, I, I really don't like when people just point out problems and just kind of, like, shrug at whatever the answer could be. The thing is, like, Ryan says, like, any problems they suggest are never going to be as simple as they are in a movie, so would you rather they paint a movie picture and give an projection of how it would happen, or would you rather they... Because the movie never suggests Jay Wolf has a solution. Mm -hmm. What it suggests is Jay Wolf is bring up all these issues. And now uh, Don Cheadle's character is going to use Bill Wolf to put his agenda and uh, the black leftist agenda. So, like, it is never it is, it is not, it never implied that Bill Wolf is going to solve the issue by himself just by ranting. And it, they never really show how it is because it did, all, if they did show how it is, it would just be an idealized movie portrayal of how it would happen. Oh, and one thing I do want to point out, too, is... I, I often find that movies that don't put forth a solution are really cynical where like everything's terrible or everyone's just as bad. Both sides are just as bad mm -hmm. and like there's no solution. So why bother trying? But I didn't feel that way about this movie at all. I felt like it was more empowering where it's like someone who's addressing these problems head on is speaking to communities in a way that they have never been spoken for. I didn't feel like it was empowering. The whole point is you have to have a song, Daryl. The whole fucking ending is you have to have a song. You can't say it's not empowering. The whole point is to empower you. You can't be a spirit. You can't be a ghost. You have to be a spirit, Daryl. Then you're going to say it's not empowering. I mean, it, it's fine if the, if the thing is... It is. Fuck you, Daryl. That's like, that's like saying, like, this is like the one most powerful message for me. You're going to say my feelings are wrong? Fuck you. It's empowering to you. It doesn't mean it's empowering yeah. to you. No, it's I, empowering I, message. I think it's empowering message. The, the idea that if you feel like, uh, the, like you're a ghost... Be a spirit then. Be a fucking take that dead feeling inside of you, turn it into something positive, have a fucking song. I think that's fucking powerful. And you might fucking disagree, but I think you guys are wrong. Just flat out wrong. 
No, I agree with you, Sly. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's a theme that has to empower everybody. But like, I found that it was a. Much... I think you're just wrong if you say it's not a empowering movie. I think you're just flat out wrong. I'm gonna say that, okay. and, and I'm gonna make an absolute statement on that. Fuck it, Daryl. <laughs> okay. I didn't feel that empowered, but like, I'm like, I, I understand your argument though. Like, I maybe just... because you have self hope. But if you're a person without hope, if you're in a position of Jay Bull, if you don't see how this can empower people, the idea that if you feel like you're hopeless, the idea that you just keep going with something you believe in, you, you refuse to just fucking go off like into the sense of light and you fucking mess with whoever. Maybe, maybe you have to wish to live for Daryl. Maybe I mean not Phil, but like I think this is for people like me. I think this is like this is a message that uh, really important, better than m- most messages of bullshit empowerment that I usually get. Like most like liberal ones, like oh we're going to be hopeful and peaceful, audacity of hope. I'm like fuck you. Like this, everything's shit. This movie acknowledges everything is shit. It acknowledges that things are going to be shit, but you have to fucking try something. You have to have a spirit. You have to have a song. It's, it's, I think that's more power to me than any fucking hack speech you can provide for me from any fucking traditional source. I I do agree with you, Sly. Hmm. with no caveat but great <laughs> uh one thing i just want to point out when it's slice talking about like you know like the modern empowering hack or whatever uh in 2013 the new york times did quote obama that apparently in yes. private obama frequently talked longingly of going bullworth towards the end yes. of his campaign so like if daryl saying real shit and stupid uh obama loves this so fuck you daryl obama's on my side obama's the best president ever he fucking knows what's the movie <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at look at a neoliberal Sly over here defending Obama. <laughs> yeah, but like that was like, oh, this is so stupid. Oh, Sly recommends bad movies. Fuck you, Daryl. Obama sides with me. The fucking Oscar side with me. Fucking uh, Cornell West left the side with me. Fuck you, not, not the Fuck box you, fuck office, you. Though. <laughs> oh, the American people are smarter. Than um, it was a limited specials. release, and according to the LA Times, it did extremely well for the amount of release it had. Oh. For what it's, for what it's worth. <laughs> All right, so that was wrong. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. All right, so uh, now with that said, let's move on to spo- <laughs> we're going to get to spoilers and talk about the ending. Yeah, now, I, I personally think that people should watch this movie. Some of the twists actually caught me off guard. And if I think you could rent it on Amazon for like 2 or $3. So I recommend watching it, but we are going to talk about the end of the movie and the plot stuff that happens. So spoiler warning. All right, so far we edit this, put like a little sound cue, like, and then we get to spoiler section. Uh, so now we're going to get to the ending, which apparently you guys thought was not ambiguous at all. The idea that um, what happens is the health insurance guys that Blowworth was trying to scam, and that he was that uh, the corrupt ones that were paying him. There's a bunch of drama before this where he's like trying to cancel the hit on himself, and he fi- the guy who's supposed to cancel the hit has a heart attack, so the hit is still on, and he's running yeah. for his life. And then in the end, he's like, oh, "I'm safe." And it's the plot point. The plot point that I was talking about before. The reason why Nina was being so stoic and everything is because she is the hitman in secret, and the guy he yes. thought was the hitman is just paparazzi trying to get an incriminating photo of him with a mistress. Yes. So she's the she's like the femme fatale. Like. Yeah. So that's why she was like pretending to be like quiet and dumb the whole time. Yeah. Yes. So then it gets to the climax. Yeah, and so uh, Borovic gets shot by an insurance guy, surprisingly enough. As it looks like now, uh, apparently he won the primary. And it looked like he was going... Like, he even got a few votes for the presidency. He had 15% of Democrats and 8% of Republicans voted for him for president, even though he wasn't running. Yeah. So people people were like, oh, shit, like, this guy's pretty popular. Yeah, Yeah. so, like, uh, so now, like, everyone's... It seems like the moment it it all comes together, everyone's rooting for him. Yeah, he finally... um, Got some rest and and uh, now he's rested and now he's like uh, he has a final movie kiss with Nina and then he gets shot by the insurance guy and 
ends with the uh, the scene inside the hospital and uh, the uh, black magical uh, guy, black magical <laughs> hobo. He tells he starts talking to the audience, say, "You got you guys have to be uh, a spirit. You can't be a ghost. You got you got to be a spirit." And it hit me so hard. And then uh, the movie ends, and I I felt like I can see why people could leave because there is a common complaint that this movie makes it feel like it is too much that Bullworth definitely died. But I think that makes it more powerful because by the evidence presented, if you are cynical, it looks like Bullworth definitely died. If you are a realist mm. pragmatist, but the evidence overwhelmingly stacked in favor of him dying. But if you have enough optimism, and in, in, I think you can see it as more ambiguous than it is. And I, guess, oh, okay. I, don't think, I don't think he necessarily died. I thought it was ambiguous because it's not. It's not outside the morgue. It's outside the hospital. Yeah, and he got I, shot he, once. He got shot once. I did not understand what you meant when we started arguing before we recorded about if it was ambiguous. I thought you meant it was ambiguous who shot him. Oh <laughs> no, uh, it's not ambiguous. It, it, it was the <laughs> hobo. Say, right? guys, it is very clear that it is the I, insurance. Guy. I thought it was, I thought it was the hobo who shot him. Uh, that's why he's like, you gotta be a ghost because I killed you. <laughs> All right, I got to clarify because I, there are people in reviews that say it's too obvious. that I said the end's a bad movie, but I'm like, fuck you. Whole point oh no, that. no, I think I think that that's. I'm glad that the. It ends the ambiguously, like you said, about is he was he defeated by the machine, you know, the political machine, especially because the deep state is actually who put out the hit on him, which was himself yeah. or was <laughs> or was it, you know, will he live on and actually like overhaul the liberal, you know, the Democratic Party? And, like, especially because this isn't, this wasn't a period piece. Like, it didn't come out, like, now talking about, like, in the 90s. Yeah. It was at the time when, like, maybe we thought something might be better. And, like, it's interesting. I always really, really like reading or seeing political stories set in the late 90s. Because I feel like there was this certain direction that we were going in that 9-11 kind of completely shifted. Because we were talking about the both sides is just the same kind of stuff. This was the last era where uh, the criticism of Democrats and like the stuff about uh, uh, like Rachel Mitchell being a machine, like it was a very popular meme. Both sides, much is bad, whatever, whatever. That was when it was at its peak. Uh, like I said, this was back when the Democrats were full cutting welfare and all that stuff. And last Republican president was uh, George H. W. Bush, who actually raised taxes, who was actually kind of decent compared to a lot of other presidents. So yeah. like this was like the last era where uh, we could, we really had a distinction. Uh, we had really had no distinction between the parties as much as we have now. And yeah. like nine eleven was like the end. Like basically, it got worse before it could come close to getting better. We had to get go through Bush to even get a progressive wing back into the Democratic Party. Yeah, and that's one thing that I f- I find really interesting because like when I read any political commentary or satires or anything from the late nineties, it's such a short lived period of analysis where it's pre nine eleven where we could still like it was still mainstream to like take a harder look at America itself without having that nationalist streak that happened post, you know, yeah, all the wars and stuff we got through and and are still in. And like, it was just, it's, I wish that there was more media. Like I wish there was more political things from the late nineties that I knew about. That's not the reason why I, I will defend this movie so much because it's very easy to have like a retrospective on eras like this. Yes. Where this is this the feelings, this captures a feeling at the time. And that, to that for me, it makes it more priceless because it's very easy to make a movie about Martin Luther King now and try to paint this flowery picture of Martin Luther King back in the era, ignoring when the reality when he was when he was when he was popular. Martin Luther King was a controversial figure. Uh, he he like uh, I forget what the uh, polls were, but I think like half the country didn't did thought he was too radical or whatever. And like now we 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 we, we flower it up and focus on the stuff because now we know what he accomplished 
after the fact, but we didn't know where he was going or what, what it was linked to. Uh, and there, there's, but this movie and some like movies that are made in the time of these actual um, specific eras and politics, uh, they actually capture the mood of the of uh, the mood, and the mood often just evaporates over time. Like yeah. we talk about, we talk about uh, Metal Gear Solid and uh, Metal Gear Two, and how a lot of junk data gets uh, discarded away. That is true, but I was, this movie made me think that a lot of like impo- important feeling, important indicators of the general country's mood disappear over time too. Like I was thinking, in uh, two thousand eight, like there's no way you will ever find these anywhere. But I remember distinctly watching TV ads, watching radio ads, where everyone was talking about the Wall Street bailout. They're like TV ads saying, "Oh, you, uh, where's your bailout? Here's go to our Hyundai dealer, or whatever." And you know, it's a silly, stupid thing. They like, might say, "Oh, that should be discarded." But like these all paint a picture of an actual era and the moods at the time, and and then those 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 indicators go away, and all we have are the flowery images we have in retrospect. And yeah, and and I think that that especially like with the MLK thing you were talking about, it's it's done that same scene where you're talking about like the closing of the factories or whatever. When he asks like, how come there's no black leaders? Nina also says, well, it's because they all got killed. Like, that has something to do with it, that they all got killed. And this is before... Like, the reason why 9-11 is such a stark shift in tone for me is because I feel like protesting, it became such a clear, almost always anti-war protest for a really long time. Yes, Yes. Whereas, at this point, we weren't protesting wars. We were... We'd have to protest just the system in general, and that's a much harder thing to rally people around. And she talks about that... But, like, she doesn't mention the war stuff because, like, they didn't know that we were about to enter into multiple decade-long wars. But it's, like, that's such an such a fascinating point is, like, the civil rights leaders we had were killed and then your pro-corporate policies took away any agency new ones had to be formed. So what else are we supposed to do? And it wasn't until we had this, like, huge, very clear in-your-face military-industrial complex to protest a- up against that... We were just kind of spinning our wheels, and the massive economic crash. That yes, it, absolutely, that too. That's what I'm talking about with the fucking ads and stuff. Like people forget how much people were were pissed off at the bailouts, how much people pissed off at Wall Street, pissed off at the rich. Like even the Occupy Wall Street movement is fading into memory. Like all all these things. Like people forget uh, when Obama came into office, the movement that pushed him into office, this, this black guy into a position of ultimate power in America. It's easy now, people paint it out, oh, America got over its racism and we learned to stop being racist. But in reality, it was all these factors coming into play that made people really sick of the establishment as it was and it created this momentum for Barack Obama to come to office. Yeah. And he loved this movie, so we have to respect him. Yes. (laughs) Do you think... So, one thing I do just want to talk about is I, I know, like, Phil, you mentioned you were kind of uncomfortable with certain scenes. I was uncomfortable with a lot of the Nina plot until like three quarters of the way in the movie. And Daryl, you said it didn't really empower you. Were there any specific critiques or flaws of the film that you think should have been done better? Uh, well, I agree with you on some things like the message of like the Nina gave, like it, the spe- the speech itself felt very like, I don't know if you guys have watched the newsroom. Like I like that show a lot, but yes, yeah. uh, Alan, Alan Sorkin actually wrote parts of the script. By the oh, oh, really? Yeah. All right. And, and that feels like a very Alan Sorkin script, but I forgive it because the rest of the dialogue is so natural. Like it's it's a one piece of Alan Sorkin dialogue versus like a whole TV show of Alan Sorkin dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think it's a forgivable piece, especially since the whole point is supposed to teach you that she is smart. Like even like abnormally smart, but like after all the subversion they did of her being a lustful exotic woman, I think it was necessary to go that far. I, into. I think it's I I agree with you 
conceptually sly, but uh, there were quite a few scenes that I was like, this is a shoehorned lecture. Like, this yeah. is really mm-hmm. just laying Any other rapping, and, her, and Don Cheadle. Brian, you were saying at some point, to be optimistic, you have to be... Uh, you can't be subtle, so... Yeah, I, I, no. actually, I actually would argue that it's it, it feels weirder than having a just whole TV show of Aaron Sorkin dialogue. Because when I'm watching the newsroom, I'm like, this is just the world I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. But when you have a, a, a movie where that's not generally the world, but then people just bust out into these, like... Uh, like economics lectures it, it seems very jarring very quick paced economics lectures too yeah yeah that's the thing is it wasn't because because of my taste it wasn't a deal breaker for me at all i still really really liked this movie but like those parts did stand out where like i liked them but i recognize that it does hurt the script a little i disagree i think they needed those scenes to be as punching as possible to move the plot along that's one thing i, I love about the, the script it is very very tightly focused, and if you uh, like, if you meandered too much on those points, it would have dragged the script. I think the fact they made it punchy, and it may have been luxury, but they they weren't that long for scenes. First of all, that's and that's all, true. They, they and were all re- pretty quick, and they're all reactions to Bullworth's questioning. They weren't like out of nowhere, like character sits up saying, "I have a speech to make, and I'm going to say it." Like it was Bullworth talking to his character, and the character responds, uh, trying to explain himself. I, I'm going to say, I think every part of the movie is perfect, so I'm, I'm going to... If you fight, fucking say one fucking word in this movie, I'm going to talk back to you. But go ahead. <laughs> that's that's fair. I think that that is a fair response. I'm not sure it is, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, do you have anything nope. egregious that stood out to you now? Okay, so then... He, I mean, he doesn't want to go to the gulag. Yep. <laughs> I'm out. Okay. Well, uh, Bullworth, everyone, I think people should watch it. Go Would watch you it. recommend this film, Daryl? Uh, I'm gonna plead the fifth. Okay. You can say no. I, 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 I don't know if I would. I, I thought it was actually interesting. I'm not sure I would go to people saying, you gotta see this movie. It, it was interesting, for sure. I, I, but, I would recommend it. I liked it a lot. Obviously, slightly. It's hard, it's hard to recommend. It's a movie that's hard to recommend because you have to be, uh, first of all, you have to be kind of, uh, uh the kind of person that appeal to a bull over saying. You can't be, like, a conservative, probably. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you could be a conservative. I don't think you, I don't, maybe not. Especially because there's always black characters in the cast. It'll be SCW <laughs> bullshit. But um, I, th- I think uh, I think you should see it. And it is a movie that's very unique. And this is the kind, this is the kind of movie that filmmaking was made for. This is the kind of movie that art was made for. To really create a unique <laughs> like, product. That's very dramatic. Like, I, no, but seriously, like this is what humanity is made for. Like, <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding. You know, I'm fucking, fucking, fucking joking. But there's so fucking many films that try to preach this stuff. This movie preaches but in such a generic way, to such generic formats, to such generic characters, th- th- like this is why co- why I've really turned around on comedies, like the absurdity of life mixed with like real issues, that hits a chord of me that like uh, um, the most melodramatic Oscar Bay movie really can't. Like mm. uh, this touches on the absurdity of life and the grimmiality of issues, and that that makes it more potent and realistic to me than a lot of films that people will say are g- dramatic, beautiful motion pictures. I just so much of the movie is just running from a hitman, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, it's a movie it has to have momentum for the plot, and I think the movie keeps a very strong momentum going throughout. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep defending it because I love it. It's fucking like if you, it's like if, if you try to argue that's J.F. Wright, he's going to fucking defend it. <laughs> I, I thought when you said before it's hard to recommend this movie because you're going to say like it's just it's it's life now. Like this is like defending the Bible. Like uh, if, if you're a Christian, I did feel like while I was watching it, I was like I like this so much, and I did feel that the hitman stuff got in the way. I understand yeah. thematically why it matters, why it gives stakes. Like, I get the narrative reasons why it's there, but I would have liked more politics and lefts running around. It's the more traditional part of the story. Yeah. 
But as as always, another reason why I think it's perfect. I also think the the a film ha- can't just be all lecturing. It has to meet the audience halfway. Uh, and this movie starts out as a thriller and becomes more political as it goes along. I think. I, again, sorry, I'm gonna keep phrasing it. So you're allowed to like a thing. That's fine. I also like this thing. Right, I just don't think it's what humanity was destined for. No, but no, I should say like, uh, when I say that, I mean these are the kind of really unique products. Like uh, people might overlook it, and like you guys are overlooking it. But I really think like. Like I said, uh, something uh, this this mix of comedy, the absurdity of life, and uh, real issues. Just look at Trump, and you can't say that doesn't reflect real life. Like like mm. reality is absurd, and it is very depressing, and these those mix in weird ways sometimes. And I think that's what makes this these kind type of movies really powerful to me. I can't disagree with that. All right, let's okay. fucking I guess fucking <laughs> have to stop talking about this fucking movie. <laughs> going on, uh... So Bullworth, watch it. So. Th- thank thank you guys for indulging us for a non-traditional episode that was originally supposed to be the format of the show. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we needed a break. Hopefully things get less terrible, but I don't really see that happening, so who knows what next episode's gonna be like. But, in on the meantime, while you're waiting, you should check out the rest of the Flying Machine Network. It's a new month. Oh, also, happy 4th of July, everybody. That's when this episode comes out. America. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, it's a new month, so we have new Patreon episodes out, and what it was, Oops was about pardons, and we recorded it right before all the talk about Trump pardoning himself, so it's, it's, it's like a period piece, just like Bullworth, <laughs> and Divisive Issues was, what was this month's Divisive Issues, Daryl? It was, um, Superman being buried. <laughs> Superman being buried alive, yes, and... Yeah, so check those out at the and to do that you have to be a five dollar a month Patreon donor. That's patreon.com slash flying machine. And check out the other shows on the network. Like I mentioned Divisive Issues. I'm gonna plug our other show this week because we just did a whole month of Stanley episodes. So everyone should check those out. We did Stanley, Who's Stanley? cameos. Yeah, Stanley. His cameos from when writers and artists hated him and put them in their books as villains, or his some of his lackluster books and some of the books of his that we like a lot. So check all those out at flyingmachine.network. Oh, and join our Discord and our Facebook group. Links are in the show notes. Thank you all for listening to Oops, I Talk Politics. I've been creating the Monstars and also putting out a hit on myself. I've been Bullworth. I've been the magical black character. <laughs> and I'm trying to be a spirit, not a ghost. Oops, I ended the podcast. I give you the incredible flying machine. <laughs>